Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight for us to come to you again on this uh, now Wednesday, April 20th, um, 2020. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. Do you know that this is our 32nd podcast in the last 34 days, brothers? <laughs> Brother Marty, Brother oh. Fernando, this yeah. is our 32nd podcast in now 34 days, and we have been really uh, sensing the stirring of the spirit uh, to come to you, you know, especially in these last days. I, I believe as, as Christians, if you know your word, if you understand what's going on, this is the time where we have something to say <laughs> because the Bible clearly tells us what is taking place in this hour. And so we, we are delighted. We are delighted to come to you. We're so grateful that you can tune us in today. And I know, especially if you've been following us for a few weeks and, and heard, a lot of you have said you have heard all of the podcasts. And I, a listener, one of the listeners said uh, the other day, told us that she feels like she's known us for years. She feels connected by the Spirit. And that's amazing. Because even though we can't see you, we feel you by the Spirit of God. And and there is a connection that I believe that uh that we are getting with much of our audience in this hour who are hungry for the deep things of God. So today we're going to get into the word again, and uh, I pray that you have your Bible with you, and and please follow with us. Uh, We started a tremendous, tremendous study in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, and I believe we're going to continue to flow in that today. So um, it's a pleasure to be with you, Brother Fernando and Brother Marty. And uh, I'll leave it here with you, Brother Marty, as we continue with our study of the Word. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be back again today. And we're going to get into the Word today uh, in some pretty interesting things to me, at least, and to my brothers, I know, uh, as we go forward in what we began yesterday, uh, the studying of Ephesians chapter 6. We'll get to that, uh, Lord willing, by the end. But And I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast called Principalities and Powers. Because what was being revealed there by the Apostle Paul was a structure and a hierarchy and a system of authoritative power that appears to be exercised by the fallen and demonic forces of the unseen world. And so when Paul began to talk about, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might, it is what we were talking about yesterday is his command to the church from that point and going forward to understand at a much deeper level what it is that we are up against. And that's what we began to discuss yesterday. And we began to, by we pray the Holy Spirit, to 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 have the curtain peeled back a little and and to look into the deeper things of what the word is telling us. And so when he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, he's he's telling us to be, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 is where he says that. He says, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So he he gives us two components uh, that we are, that he's leaving us with. That's why he says, finally, like this is the conclusion of the matter of the entire book of Ephesians. He says, I want you to understand something <laughs> that going forward. It's going to require that your strength and and the power that you you live by 
is exclusively and completely under the authority of what he achieved. The word strong in the Lord, the word strong means to be enabled or empowered. And then in the Lord comes from the Greek word kyrios, which means the supreme authority. And so literally what he tells us by be strong in the Lord, the first thing he's telling us is that that the enabling of your of your of your own jurisdiction so to speak is only found and only energized or empowered because Jesus Christ has supreme authority he's emphasizing to us that the authority that has been won at the resurrection is the authority that the father gave to Jesus to rule over all things And then he sends us forth and says, the only way that you're going to understand your mission, your plan, your purpose, and the reason why you go through so much and how to overcome that, he says, is only by being enabled, being strong and empowered in the Lord that is in the supreme authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, he says, in the power of his might. And the word in the power comes from the word uh, kratos or k-r-a-t-o-s in the great and supreme dominion so literally he's saying be enabled and be empowered in the supreme authority of the lord jesus christ in the great and total supreme dominion of his might that is his force and what he actually now possesses and holds He is in control of all things. And so with that in mind and that little introduction there, I want us to turn over to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to see something today. And I want to get to it uh, based on what Jesus said after he rose from the resurrection. Do you guys have your Bible? Matthew 28, beginning with uh, the 18th verse. This is what he says. And Jesus came and he spoke unto them, speaking of the disciples. This is after he rose from the dead. This was his declaration. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Then he says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Y'all there? Amen. Amen. Now, let's remember what we talked about. Paul says in Ephesians 6.10, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In in order to understand what it is that the Lord has achieved, we have to go to his own words and understand he made this declaration after he rose from the dead. And what he does is he states the position that he now has. First, he says to them, to his disciples now, and subsequently that means to us, right? He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Okay. So we have to ask the question then, uh, what is that power? What power is he talking about? All power. Well, 
in order to understand what that means and what Jesus was actually telling his church and telling his disciples, it comes from the word exosia, exosia. That's how you say it, E-X-O-U-S-I-A. You can look it up in the Strong's Concordance. Like we said, it's not a state secret. <laughs> so he says, right. he says all, all power, right? All power, uh, all exosia. That's what he's saying. So what is that power? What is exosia? Well, when you look up the word that Jesus used there when he was describing what he had achieved, understand this. He says that it was given to him. It was given to him. And we know from the gospel that, remember when he rose from the dead and, and Mary tried to, to hug him and, and at his feet and, and he said, don't touch me, right? I haven't yes. ascended. I haven't ascended yet. Uh, to my father and your father, to my God and your God, right? He 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 then ascends, and so he goes into the heavens. We don't have time to get into every one of those scriptures. You can study it on your own. And it was there when he presented himself to God that God began to declare him to be the son of God, began to speak power over him, which you can see in Hebrews. Brother Fernando, you, do you have your Bible? Yes. Yeah. Would you would you turn over to Hebrews chapter two? Uh, I think it's one actually, and and quote that scripture you quoted the other day about what God said to him when he came into his presence after he rose him from the dead in the book of Hebrews. I think it's chapter one. He begins to declare over him that he is now uh, uh, the king. He's God. He calls him God. Do you know what scripture I'm talking about? Hebrews one. Yeah, uh, I want to say is. Uh... Or is it two? Uh, verse yeah, eight, yeah, verse eight. Chapter two. Verse eight. Is it chapter yeah. two? Is it where it says, "Thou hast put all things in subjection, subjection under His feet"? That's a good one. I want you to read that too. But there, where He says, uh, where He told Him, "Thy throne, O God, unto which of the angels?" Oh, that's uh, that's chapter one, verse eight. Chapter one, yeah. verse eight. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, start. Right, says, but, but wait, start with verse five, and then read through eight. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Okay, and now again, in a second here, wait a minute, in a second here, we're going to understand why it is that King David wrote it that way. It's a very interesting and insightful clue to us what's actually taking place here. What's identified there is he's actually quoting from the Psalms, right? Uh, I think right. it's... Uh, uh, and 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 he Psalms he says, what? Which one is it, brother? Uh, I thought it was Psalms eighty nine. No, I may be wrong. I mean, I'm gonna look it up right now while you talk. That's okay. I think it might be ninety seven. But but anyway, so he says he says, unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. Uh, so he begins to distinguish between uh, the only begotten or the only. Uh, produced son is the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man. And there's a reason that he uses the word unto which of the angels uh, said he at any time, distinguishing him from them. Keep going, Brother Fernando. Thou art my son. Verse 5. Yeah, it says, uh, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Speaking again, of, I think it's Psalms, and again. It's Psalms 2 he's quoting. Yeah. And again, okay. I will be to him a father. And he shall be to me a son. And again, when he it, bringeth in, 
in the first begotten into the world, he said, and let all the angels of God worship him. Yes. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness. Thou hast hated iniquity. Therefore, God, this is God calling Jesus God. Think of this. Right. <laughs> but notice, go back to that, that verse in verse 6. Uh, the very first thing he says, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6, he says, And again, when he bringeth the firstborn, uh, the first begotten into the world, he saith, let all the angels uh, worship him. So he talks about it as having happened twice. He's he's talking about the resurrection and again when he brings him into the world. And then he goes on to say in verse 8, as a result of that, in verse 8, he calls him his son. Isn't that what we read yesterday in Romans chapter um, 1, verse 4, where it says he was declared uh, to be the son of God with power, right? By the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So again, when he brings him into the world, or rises is from, from the dead, and Jesus ascends into heaven. In verse 8, we have an insight into what happened up there. Can you read that again in verse 8, brother? Yeah, but unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Yes. Keep reading. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou? And thou, and thou Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same and thy years shall not fail. And finish but it out, which, verse 13 but to which, But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So let's go back to Matthew 28 now. With that in mind, when 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 Jesus says all power in heaven and earth has been given to me, it is it is after he has gone into the throne to present himself to the Father, his sacrifice being accepted by God. That's why he told Mary, You can't touch me. And and and, and to us who are Gentiles, that is non Jewish people who aren't familiar with Judaism or the Levitical law, when the high priest would go into the holy of holies he had to strip himself of all of his beautiful garments he used to wear a really beautiful golden uh you know uh, uh what do they call it the uh, uh the breastplate which had 12 beautiful gems diamonds and topaz and it made up the 12 tribes of israel on this golden breastplate and he wore these beautiful garments of blue and 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 he wore a crown a mitre that said holiness unto the Lord on his head. 
representing, you know, the high priest that was to come. But when he goes into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is representing the throne room of God, it was there that he would offer blood, uh, a foreshadow of the high priest who would sacrifice himself for all of us. And it, it is there that it is said that the Shekinah glory would appear in the Holy of Holies, representing God being pleased and accepted the sacrifice. <clears throat> but the high priest could not go into the Holy of Holies unless he took off all his beautiful garments and came and offered himself in complete purity. When you study the the, the, the writings of those who, who are familiar with these rituals that, that took place, they say that the high priest would go and, and he would shut himself away for for like a whole week. And, and, and if he even had a bad dream or a terrible thought, it disqualified him from, from being the representative uh, that would go in and, and offer the blood. This is how serious this was. And so when Jesus said to Mary when he rose from the dead, do not touch me, that's why. He could not be defiled by any flesh. He had to present mm -hmm. himself as the perfect, spotless, pure sacrifice risen from the dead, the high priest representing the entirety of humanity. And when he goes into the throne room, what Brother Fernando just read there in Hebrews chapter 1, we are given an insight into what transpired. When he appeared in, in the presence of the Father, the Father God began to speak over him. He called him God. He called him his son. He called him and began to bestow upon him his throne. He gave him a scepter, which is the right to rule and to and to impose the his own will. Uh, he, he he told him that he would never end. He would last forever. He he he's reabsorbed almost in a sense, for lack of a better descriptive word, into the Godhead. He becomes the son of the living God, both God and man, and he seats, he seats him at his own right hand. That is where he is right yeah. now, ever living to make intercession for us, and there's a reason why. So when Jesus comes back down from heaven, having had all those things decreed on him by the Father, who calls him God, uh, he comes back to the earth after the resurrection, and we know from the scripture that for the next 40 days or so, he appears up to 500 people. He appears and, 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 and shows himself. He walks on the road to Emmaus with those two, two guys that, that uh, didn't even recognize him until he broke bread with them and suddenly they knew who he was. He appeared to the apostles three times. Twice, Simon uh, Thomas wasn't there, and I believe it was twice. And on the third time he appears, uh, Thomas is there, and, and he, he tells Thomas, handle me because I'm not a ghost. I'm flesh and bone. Notice he says flesh and bone and not flesh and blood because he emptied mm -hmm. himself. He, he poured out his blood completely as an offering for sin and, and to purchase the very thing that God has given him. God gave yes. him all power. And that's what Jesus is saying in, in verse 28. Just before he's getting ready. Yes. There's also scripture in Psalms chapter 2 verse 7 where he says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. That's another scripture right there to add to what yes, you're talking about. Yes, and, and, and that gives us uh, the kind of um, 
what's the word the, the the proper way of interpreting scripture right because in the book of hebrews they draw that particular verse from the second psalm and add it to the litany of the resume that qualifies jesus as god himself mm. and so that's how we learn to apply scripture and yes that is the part of the scripture he was quoting there i think another one is out of psalm 47 and one out of psalm 97 but he puts them together and begins to show who Christ really was. And so while he's in the throne, it is there that what was bestowed upon him was all authority. And so when Jesus is getting ready to just go back to the Father after a 40-day period, he appears to his disciples, we're told in chapter 28, verse 16, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. In other words, they weren't sure what they were seeing because he's the resurrected Lord. They had only known him on the other side of uh, of the of the tomb, right? They'd only known him like that, right? But this this gives right. us an indi- an indication of how how uh, how magnificently uh, you know beautiful he must have been. Uh, they weren't really sure. They weren't familiar with the other side of the cross, right? But he appears mm. to them and and he begins to tell them. In, in verse 18, all power is given to me. It's as oh, if he, he comes and he begins to assert, right away he begins to assert to them who he really is. And that's what we were just discussing. Where did he get the power? Uh, from the Father. And, 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 and he has a throne, a rule, and a dominion. But the word power is very interesting because the word that he used there, like I said, is exosia. What he was literally saying was what I have now received, what has been given to me, and this is key as we go along, you're going to see why. What he's literally saying is uh, all power, all exousia has been given to me by my father is what he's, what he's saying. And the word exousia means this. What has been given, literally what he was saying is uh, the power of absolute authority, the power of rule and government, the power of making absolute judicial decisions and kingly authority over all created beings. Mm. So that's what he meant when he said all power. And you can look it up in the Strong's, like I said, it's not a state secret. These are all the (laughs) meanings of exosia, right? He said, I have all power of authority. I have all power of authority and rule and government over all things. I have all power given to me by the Father to to judge, and I have been given regal authority, that is, a kingship over everything that's been created. That's what he told them. (laughs) Hallelujah. Not only, Ah. he said, and and he says in two places, right? All power is given unto me in heaven and all power is given unto me in the earth that that is probably to us because we live on the earth the most significant thing in the sense as to how it applies to us because what he goes on to say in verse 19 then he transitions from making that declaration to his church to his apostles and subsequently to us too He says, understand, this has been given to me. We need to understand that. We need to understand that what was given to Christ Jesus was given to him by way of the the payment that he made for it. 
He redeemed all things by the precious blood. He purchased it and purchased my redemption, I think the song says, right? He purchased my redemption. He redeemed everything, which implies what? That it was owned by another party and had to be bought. Because the Bible goes on in the book of Hebrews to say that when he rose from the dead, he is the only man ever who wrote his will and testament at the Passover at the Last Supper and then rose from the dead to ensure that what he wrote as his last will and testament would be enforced by himself. Ah, okay. That's for another day. Now listen. (laughs) Now listen to this. So after declaring all that, it's important what he says now. He says, go ye, therefore, In other words, he turns to them and says, now you've got to go do something. I'm letting you know, and remember how we started here, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. This is what we're talking about. He says, you're going to have to go for and and have a a contest, if you will. You're going to be opposed and, and, and resisted. And he says, the only way, see, let me stop right there. When we do it, we do a great disservice to the people of God when all we teach them is that you know you got to suck it up now and really tighten your belt so you can overcome your flesh well right. all we end up doing then is focusing them on their own life but what what paul is revealing here is that if we will allow the spirit of god to reveal to us and elevate us into that which jesus said about himself it's interesting to me to what he said because he didn't say all power is given unto me in heaven and earth now go and try and do your best to live a holy life. That's not what he said to them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? But not right. that we're not supposed to live a holy life or any of that. But right. I think right. that, that the key to the deliverance for, for all of us is in understanding the mission and the purpose. As we go forward into it, in that authority, in that understanding that it is he that has empowered us with the supreme authority that he possesses, he transfers it to us. But it's not for any exclusive purpose. It's not for the exclusive purpose of just trying to, you know, quit having bad thoughts and, and being mean to my dog, man. I mean, that's, this is, I mean, that's just so stupid. He's saying yeah. that the authority that I've given you, the supreme dominion that is empowering you, it comes from the very force of the authority, the rule, the regal authority, um, the judicial authority, the governmental authority, all of it at such a high level, you need to go now where? To teach all nations. Now, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to tell you this, and, 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 and before we get into the, what that literally means, we have to look at it in this context. Look, he sends them forth after he makes that declaration that all power has been given to him. But then let's look a little deeper at what the Lord is actually doing here by sending them forth. It's, I believe it's seen in an incredible insight that was given to us by Asaph in Psalm 82, if you're familiar with that. Remember, Paul told us that we fight against principalities and powers. And what we're about to see, and I want you to turn over there, brothers, and you who are listening, in Psalm 82, is what it is that Jesus actually was doing 
when he sends forth the disciples unto all nations. Now let's let's go over there and we'll come back to this and, and we'll see it in a much fuller and, and profound way now. Look at in Psalm 82. This is a psalm that is written by Asaph. He was the choir director of the of the Levitical choir in the temple in Jerusalem. And he begins to reveal something to us here by the Spirit of God that is so profound as to as to as to be absolutely necessary for us to understand why we need the whole armor of God, why we need to be strong in the Lord's authority, why we need to take the, the name, the quality, the character of Jesus into our life and into everything that we do. Now listen to this in Psalm 82. Remember what we just said. Jesus says, all power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. And now he says to his disciples, now go and teach all the nations. Look at what he was actually revealing to them and what he was instituting and what he was creating as the very first act of his regal authority. He commissions them to go. Now look at this. In Psalm 82, beginning with the first verse, I'm going to read it. It says, God... Elohim standeth in the congregation of the mighty. And what does it say? He judges among the what? Gods. Congregation. The gods. He judges amongst the gods. Psalm 82, verse 1. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. And listen to what he says to the gods. <laughs> we'll get into this, so don't get nervous. I'm just quoting scripture. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says, how long will ye, speaking to the gods, the Elohim, small g, how long will you judge unjustly? How long will you accept the persons of the wicked? And and Asaph then throws that, that word in there, silah. So he wants us to pause and think about this, because something profound is being revealed here he then goes on in verse three and says as as god is addressing and judging amongst the gods he says defend the poor and the fatherless do justice to the afflicted and the needy deliver the poor and the needy rid them out of the hand of the wicked and look what he says in verse five they don't know neither will they understand they walk on in darkness and then he declares all the foundations of the earth are out of course in other words everything's broken and then he says yeah I, and then he says this in verse six i have said you are gods and all of you are the children of the most high but he says you shall die like men He's making a distinction between the gods and men. And you can look it up in your own time, the words here. He says, you're going to die like men, and you're going to fall like one of the princes. And then he says this. It's as if he turns, and I'm going to tell you who this is. He, he turns to Jesus, and he says this. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shall inherit all nations. All right. Amen. <laughs> yes. so, so what is he revealing here? First, 
and foremost, the word is God or Elohim. It, it's also where we get that same, the sons of God, like in Job chapter 1, where it says there was a day when the sons of God came before the Lord, right? And they presented himself, and Satan comes among them. That the sons of God are a, are a hierarchy. They, it appears to be that there was a governmental structure that was pre-existing uh, the nations that even walked on the planet. When Paul reveals principalities and powers, and then he goes on to talk about the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, he's giving us a step-by-step -step, uh, revelation of governments, worlds, dimensions, rulers, thrones, that all are real and exist, but are are the, what's the right word, are the servants, if you will, of Elohim, of God himself, as if they were tasked or given the task of administering the will of God. Now listen, when we pick this up, and remember we're going back to what we're trying to explain to you is just how profound what Jesus actually did. Prior to the coming of the Lord, the entire world, and prior to the payment made on Calvary, and subsequently the power given to Jesus after the resurrection, it appears that the nations of the world were influenced and governed by what is known as the, as the sons of God, or the Elohim. But we also know from Scripture that this class of being uh, had a falling out and became the masters and, 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 and influencers of the nations of the world. Understand that the nations of the world didn't really exist until after the flood. Because after the flood, remember, they were all one people, one language. But then they build this Tower of Babel. Remember this that what was revealed there in the building of the Tower of Babel is what Nimrod was attempting to do. He was attempting to access, you can find that in Genesis chapter 11, he wanted to build a tower up to heaven. Remember, the knowledge of what had happened before the flood of Noah, it's getting awful quiet in this Presbyterian church, the, no <laughs> the, no <laughs> the knowledge of what happened uh, before the flood of Noah came over the other side of the flood in the form of, of Shem, Ham, Japheth, their wives, Noah and his wife. They were the only ones who understood because they were the only eight, according to the scripture, that made it through the judgment of God when he poured out his wrath at the end of Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8, where it talks about the flood. What we have revealed there in Genesis chapter 6 is that the Elohim, the sons of God, that they saw the daughters of men. Jude explains it in, in, in Jude uh, in the New Testament, where he talks about the angelic hosts of the past leaving their defined parameters, or they left their habitation, and they, they took wives. And that is what it says happened in Genesis chapter 6, is that they left their habitation, and they corrupted themselves with women. They saw the daughters of men, making a distinction between the sons of God and the daughters of men. And, and however this happened, I don't know, and, and it's not necessary to go into the description of it. But what we are told is that children were born as a result of the union of these Elohim and these women. And that giants, if you will, or genetically altered human beings walked the face of the earth. 
it is why we have the legends that we have throughout all the myth cultures of the world, all the pagan nations of the world. They talk about right. giants. Even the Native American community talks about it. There's legends. Right. There's myths. There's lore. Even the Greeks, right, the Hellenistic culture, they talked about Zeus and, and Aphrodite and all these other gods, you know, the Romans. They talk about, you know, Mars and Jupiter and so forth and so on. Well, <clears throat> even though this is mythology, yet it, it hints at, at, at what once was, the legend of what once was. And remember that that information was carried over the flood in the form of Noah, his wife, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the three girls. So, <laughs> so when let me, let me that say came... something, brother. Go, no, go ahead. Finish the thought. I'll go right after you, brother. No, because I'll go on for another thirty minutes. Go ahead. <laughs> no, and there's this notion. Uh, you know, we're we're speaking about the Elohim, the the gods, little G's, that yes. that Scripture talks about. But there's this idea in the church that you know you can't preach about angels, right? Well, right. I beg to differ. Because when when you read the book of Hebrews, Psalms, all wrote about powers and principalities. Why? He ends yes. his epistle talking about these these uh, angelic beings, whether good or evil, they exist. And 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 then the question posed in Hebrews at the very uh, beginning of Hebrews one, a question is asked: Unto which of the angels? Notice how Hebrews starts. Because why angels? Because it is right. in that dimension, it is in it is there where an attack against the supremacy of Christ yes. was was started by who? By a particular angel. So the question to which of the angels is really a question posed to the devil himself. Yeah. Basically, it's, it's the Lord speaking to him, saying, "You want an, the the excellent name that I have given to my son." Mm-hmm. And you tried to take that power, right? Yeah. But what you came out with is the power of death, Correct. right? So Jesus yes. came to this world and defeated the devil right in his playground, died, the very power he had. He died, but death could not hold him yes. in the grave. He resurrected right. on the third day, and he took back that power of death, hell, and the grave. He took it back, yes. and and now he is preeminent in all creation. He is supreme, and he always has been. Yeah, he always has been. But the 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 universe, the the cosmos, were out of order in this understanding. So it's it's like God sent His Son to bring back that understanding, that decree that was made before the foundation of the world, to make yes. all of the universe know it's always been His. Absolutely, it's always belong and, to him. And 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 along those that thought right there, what we're talking about is is judicial authority, and the right. and the dissemination of the will of God. You know what what it is that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were desiring and willing uh, to be accomplished throughout the dateless ancient past. That it's somewhere in there. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 14 that a rebellion took place. That that the, the highest order of creature, as he's described in Ezekiel 28, the anointed cherub that covers, that he he wanted to usurp, if you will, uh, yes, his position, right. even though he was even though he was the highest order of being created, 
it wasn't enough for him. He wanted more. Even though he was higher. Isn't that the lie? Isn't that the lie in the garden that he gave to mankind? It's the same thing. Well, well, okay, now that you went there, let's just park there for a second because that was something I was revisiting today as I was looking at it. It is very much the lie. But what's interesting is his his lack of knowledge or understanding, in a sense, because what he tempted Adam and Eve, according to the to the scripture there in Genesis, with is what? He said, he didn't say you'll be as God. He said, you'll be as God's. You'll be like the Elohim, the smaller yeah. G, right? The you'll yeah, be as right. God, That's right? right? He, and so he was he was trying to get, and what they didn't realize, brothers, and I might as well just go there now, is that when they partook of that lie, what happened? Suddenly he realized that is Adam that he was naked, right? He was naked. Right. In other words, the covering, or shall I say it this, because we're talking about the Apostle Paul. The armor of God was stripped from him, and he knew he was naked. So when Paul talks about put on the armor of God that you might stand against the wild or the methods of the devil, because that's literally what it means. The word put on means to sink into or to take upon yourself the 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 like he says in another place put on christ right to sink into the very armor that jesus wore when he walked the earth and did away with the power of the devil now what appears to be what what appears to be being said here is that that there was marvelous things constructed as a matter of fact you can study it later but in, in colossians we were talking about this off air uh, chapter one, it says that that all things were made by the Lord Jesus Christ, whether they be visible or invisible. And and he says thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were made by him and for him and by him, all things are held together or consist. What's revealed there in Colossians chapter one, verse 16 through 20, is that there are thrones, dominions, rulerships, authorities, all constructed by by God himself, by his son, the master builder, if you will, and that they are both seen and unseen. And when we think about unseen, many times we, we, we go over into the, you know, the mist or the ghost stories or whatever. That's not what the Bible means by unseen. It simply means that, it simply means that, we, that there are multiple dimensions of existence that God has constructed. And within those confines are systems and governments and rulers. Mm-hmm. And, and this has gone on from the ancient dateless past. When Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, that takes us back to a couple podcasts ago when we began to talk about how God said, uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then... In verse 2 of Genesis, we pick up an earth. Our attention is drawn to the earth that seems to be under a cataclysm, under a judgment. And then to rectify that situation, the Spirit of God himself comes and hovers or calms the, the, the face of the deep, the abysmal judgment waters that came upon the planet. The Spirit calms them and refreshes the earth. And then God says, let the light come forth. We know that Jesus is that light. 
the process Amen. began there. But what's interesting, brother, is now what we are seeing is that God, who identifies heaven and earth in a position of the ancient forever past or before time, once he calls forth the light in verse 3, it's then that he begins to delineate time because he calls the light day, he calls the darkness night, and the evening and the morning are the first day. And so he begins to confine the ancient past into a structure of limited time. And he begins the process of then going after the one who plunged the entirety of creation into darkness, misery, and destruction. And so this is what we see happening as we go through the scripture. And, and by the time we come to uh, Genesis chapter 6, is what we were talking about, all flesh has been corrupted. The sons of right. God, little g. Not the Son of God, but the sons of God. The, the, the Ben Elohim. That's literally how you say it in Hebrew. Ben Elohim. The word Ben means the builder of things and Elohim. So it, it appears that their task or their responsibility is to construct, to maintain, and to administrate the will of God. And when they left that habitation, they fell. And they came into the earth, according to the scripture, and corrupted the, the genetic, if you will, uh, substance of the DNA of humankind. So that, it, it, so that only Noah and his family were found uh, worthy to go on and, and, and into the new world. See, and, and, and when God judged the planet and poured water out in the days of Noah, like we said, the information of what actually happened in that ancient world carried over the flood and then began to be talked about at the campfires, right? <laughs> As the worlds began yeah, to grow yeah. and they began to have kids. And But remember this. The, the legends, to, the legends, right? The legends, exactly. Because the legends, if you remember, began to go out through the planet. And, and they went right. out through the planet after the destruction of the Tower of Babel, because it was there, the Bible says, that God confounded the languages and they broke off into different people groups and went throughout the whole face of the earth. And that's why no matter what you want to call it, you know, you, you can call it, the, the, the Greeks called it Zeus, the, 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 uh, the Aztecs call it Quetzalcoatl, right? You, you go to, I mean, you can go all over the world and hear all these different kinds of, of legends but they're talking about the same event, and what God is so you're saying, saying you're here. And saying, what, you're saying you're saying that mythology is not so much myth, right? It's 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 a it's reality. It's not myth. <laughs> yes, but like any any truth that they might have had when they left, by the they time it went down it, right. through the yeah, but yeah, it became distorted. Remember that little uh, that little game we used to play in kindergarten, right? Where they say, okay. You know, they whisper in one guy's ear, and then you've got like 10 kids. By the time it gets to the 10th kid, uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound anything, right? <laughs> there might be just a very little bit of the truth in it, but it's been completely distorted. Well, that is kind of what the legends of, of the world are. And this is why in Genesis chapter 11, what is revealed is that God confounds the language. The nations are divided. But then what happens? Our attention begins to be drawn to someone by the name of Abraham. 
And what appears right. to be happening there is that God is now beginning the process of, of bringing one of the people groups to himself, which would become Israel, right? And so what we're seeing here, though, is that the Gentile nations that spread from the days of Babel throughout the whole world, their caretaker became the Elohim. And the the ministry of those fallen Elohim uh, is brought into account here. And that is what Asaph is revealing in Psalm 82.1. When you see him saying uh, here in Psalm 82.1, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, standing in the congregation of the mighty, and he's judging amongst the Elohim, the Ben Elohim, the gods, that's what he's talking about. He begins to set into motion the fixing of the corruption of the nations. And what appears to be uh, being revealed here is that, that, that territorial rulers, principalities, and powers have been given to the geographic territory of the pagan, heathen, Gentile nations of the entire planet. And what is being revealed here by Asaph, who was the choir director, by the way, I'll just leave that out there for people to, to chew on that one. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Yeah. All right, yeah, listen to yeah. this. It's Right? It's interesting. He's the one revealing this. It says, God yeah. stands in the congregation of the mighty. And what does he do? He begins to judge. We see God standing. When God stands, it is to execute judgment. And so what is being revealed here and, and what is what, what what the Spirit of God through Asaph is revealing is is an insight in what happened in the dimension of the real, if you will, in the, in heaven itself. And God stands and begins to bring them to account for the mess they've made in the influencing of men. And what began to happen, look what he says. He judges amongst the gods, and he says to the, this is God speaking to the angels, if you will. We're just encompassing a whole level of principality, power, and all that stuff into one term, okay? Angels or gods. He says, how long will you judge unjustly? How long will you accept the persons of the wicked? It appears that they began to favor the, the darkest of human nature. See, this is why after Babel and, 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 and a couple centuries, when God sends Joshua and the children of Israel finally into the promised land, we have an entire promised land, geographic territory, completely overrun by what is known as the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, right? All them guys. But they are steeped in the grossest uh, idolatry and wickedness, which we won't talk about, uh, stemming and flowing from deep, dark, occult nature. And, and that's why God begins to deal with them and say, how long are you going to produce this kind of fruit and lean towards the wicked? This is what you've done. And then he begins right. to preach to them and call them to account which echoes what James would write centuries later, right? Thousands of years later, where he says, pure religion and undefiled before God, he says, is to visit uh, the widow in her affliction and to take care of the orphan. That's what God's preaching here in verse three, when he's telling them, what you should be doing is defending the poor and the fatherless and doing justice to the afflicted and the, and the needy. In other words, influencing the nations in this direction. You should be uh, you should be delivering the poor and the needy and ridding them out of the hand of the wicked. 
This is this is incredible, brother. The things we're reading out of Psalms 82, and I want the listener to understand what they're reading and what we're saying. We are given insight uh, by as as the Lord revealed to Asaph of conversations or a conversation that took place in in this dimension where where the Elohim are and where the angels are at, and God is speaking to them. This yes. is incredible insight. I want you to see what you're what you're reading and listening to. We're getting yes. insight into a conversation that took place in the unseen world, and how God speaks to these angels. Okay, it's inc- so, so yes. incredible, right? So, so yes. yes, the Bible wants us to know what is taking place and what has taken place in this unseen world. We are literally getting a a there is an unveiling. That's taking place. And that's really what Jesus came to do at the cross when, when, when he destroyed the powers and principalities, the rules of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. This is what he came to do, to yes. bring back into order, to yes. reconcile the world, to bring Christ back as the head of all creation. Not He's that he ever wasn't. But this is what we're, 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 this is the power of the cross, the power of his blood. We're getting and inside the by the Apostle Paul yes. and the resurrection by the Apostle Paul. It's like you said it yesterday. You said it well. He paid the price to get the price, right? Yes. He paid the price on <laughs> Calvary. He got What was the price he got because of the payment of, of, of what he did at the cross? Well, yes. he became all power was given to him. Yes. yes. All power in heaven, notice, and in earth. Yes. The unseen world and the seen world or that which is visible, or the invisible. This is incredible stuff that we're seeing here that you're bringing out, Brother Marty, in Psalms 82. I mean, this, this excites me, because this is the Great kind God. of revelation that the Holy Spirit wants to give the body of Christ, so yes. so that we can be strong in the power of his might and fight yes. this warfare, right? We, we are mm-hmm. in a battle. Yes. Understand this. Your, and, your and if son you don't... that is lost, your son that yes. is lost in, in drugs and whatever, it's, it's a warfare that's taking place. And you have to understand the warfare that you find yourself in, that your children find themselves in. Amen? This is what we're up against, powers, principalities, yes. right? And, and yes. it all goes down the list. So I wanted to bring yes. that forth. No, that's powerful. Yes. And, and and that's exactly right, brother. Because if you don't, if, if the people don't understand, if we don't understand what we're witnessing right now, you know, this pandemic that has gripped the whole world, you know, the tens of thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that are dying, the movement of wicked yes. men behind the scenes that are trying to enslave the world, the the, the proclamations and predictions of, a, of an even worse uh, effect of this pandemic in just a few months as we go into October, November, and December when it merges with this uh, this uh, flu season and the virus together. They're already preparing the people. The rattling of the sabers that are taking place around the world, the 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 movement of the of the national states into a global mindset and an authoritarian draconian implementation of domination upon the people, and the persecution yes. of the church. All of this are the result of what we're talking about here. And God, through Christ Jesus, 
stripped them of their authority over every single nation on the planet. And, and, and this is what he goes on to say. He says, deliver the poor and rid them out of the hand of the wicked. He's saying, that's what you should be doing. And he tells them, they don't know. That is the Gentile nation. Neither will they understand. Their walk, they walk in darkness. They, are, they walk in darkness. Remember, the Jew was given the light. The Jew was given uh, the word of God. The Jew was the holy nation unto God. He made a distinction between them and the nations of the world. It appears, as I've read behind some historical accounts, that what is being said is that the, 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 uh, the nations of the world were given to the angels, but the Jewish nation was selected by God and protected by him. When you see in Daniel chapter 9, the account there, I believe it's Daniel chapter 9, where Gabriel comes to Daniel, what does he tell him? He says, when you started to pray, Daniel, uh, I was sent to you, but I had to engage in a fight. Remember that scripture? Mm -hmm. Let's just look at that really yeah. quick so we can come back. Let's look at it in Daniel chapter 9. There's a more insight given in the, along the lines of what we're talking about here. Because some of you are going, what? Well, that's just, you know. <laughs> It's okay. You'll see as you as you study, right? You'll see what we're talking about. So uh, it's, it's so true, brother. As you're going there again, what you're seeing before your very own eyes, how this whole podcast started, the series, uh, you know, uh, coronavirus Passover 2020, uh, and the things that 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 are taking place and transpiring, the framework that is taking place uh, as we're going into the future, where the man of sin is going to be revealed, which which, yes. which we know that's going to prompt the coming of the Lord. Yeah. Who, all these things that are happening at, at you know, in, in, with the false uh, ecumenical church, right? The apostate church, the, uh, the sins that are taking place in, 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 in high places of political power. What do you think is influencing all these things? Yes. What That's do you exactly think right. is influencing the minds of these men? And, yes. and, and 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 we're going to find out exactly as we're going to Daniel chapter nine what is behind these things, yes. right? Of of, of, of great empires, political powers. It's, it's not just yes. you know. There's, there's, we're seeing the political figures you know on, on television, but there's things that are behind that that are moving uh, these men to say things to to yes. to to pass laws, and so it's, it's spiritual dark influences that are behind all this. Yeah, and understand, yeah. Uh, and understand this too is that the, uh, you know, the, the 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 ruling elite, the families of the planet, the human beings who identify themselves with the royal houses or the power elite, those who control the commerce of the world, and they're only a handful, and they and they are in the shadows and people have no clue who they are, they know exactly what we're talking about because they and their fathers before them, like Nimrod, like Nebuchadnezzar, like Belshazzar, uh, go down the list of, of every single uh, despot or, or, or ruler of world and global empires, all of them understand what we're talking about because these elite are in cahoots, if you will, uh, with the opposite, the op the opposing force, they are they swear allegiance to the devil, 
they they serve the devil and he has indeed given them the kingdoms of this world and they right. honestly have have thrown their allegiance to him and so less people understand however it manifests whether it's in the multinational uh, media whether it's multinational national corporations whether it's small dictators governments revolutions you know atheism or or some crazy communist ideology all of it has been an unfolding thing that is leading to one thing and that is the appearance of that wicked one and it is the comforting thing that the lord has given us in matthew 28 it is why he made that declaration because what Amen. god and we'll get and we'll get back to 82 psalm 82 so we can finish it there because what jesus was literally saying was all power is given to me now he stripped them of their power in the sense that they control it now it doesn't mean that they don't have the kind of power to still exercise influence on the nations they do but they don't have the ultimate power uh, secluded in their little vault if you will where they possess it jesus took it from him that's why when he right. rose on it, it rose from the dead and then we see him in the book of revelation he makes it unequivocal he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I was uh, alive. I, 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 was, I, I was alive and then I died, but I'm alive forevermore. And he says, I have the keys of hell and yeah. of death. I have them. He took them. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the price was so enormous, man, that only yeah. God could yeah. do it. Only God could do it. And so we see this influence in Daniel chapter 10. I'm sorry, I said nine. It's chapter 10. Listen to what Daniel records here. He talks about uh, the angel Gabriel coming to him. And, and Gabriel begins to reveal to him something. And he says to him, Daniel's freaking out when the angel shows up. In verse 12, chapter 10, verse 12, he says, Then said he unto me, Do not fear, Daniel. For from the very first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God, your words were heard. But I am come for your words. But listen to what he says here. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And then he said, but Michael, one of the chief princes, notice the titles. These are authoritative titles that are given to these creatures, these beings, these, right. these incredibly powerful beings of light. Michael has to come and help Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. This is why it is absolutely absurd, you hyper-charismatic people, who think you can just go stand out there and stomp your feet, and the devil's going to listen to <laughs> you. Are you right. kidding me? He only, re right. he only respects one thing. And that's the King of Kings yeah. and the Lord of Lords. And and if right. you exhibit the character and the authority of Jesus in your life, in my name, he says, in yes. my authority, yes. in my character, in my authority and power that was won for you by the blood, if that's flowing through you, you cast out devils. Until then, sit down, shut up until you get a revelation of God and you start walking the way you should. Moving right along. <laughs> so, ver yeah. so verse 13, he says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Uh, and so what he's literally saying is that I came to bring to you 
the prophetic declaration of God to give you insight into the vision of prophecy that God gave you for the future. But notice what's interesting is that it was withstood by what he calls the Prince of Persia, which is a ruling authority over the territory of what is today modern-day Iran. In the ancient times, it was known as Persia. But what we see here is there is scripture, comparing scripture with scripture, that there are ruling uh, beings uh, that influence nations. Now, look what he says in verse 20 after he tells them everything that he's going to tell him. He then says to him as he's getting ready to leave in chapter 10, verse 20 of Daniel, he says, but know, uh, knowest thou why I have come to you? And now listen to what he says. I will return to fight. This is incredible. To fight with the prince of Persia. And when I'm gone, after he beats him up, basically is what he's saying, it's going to create a vacuum into which the prince of Greece is going to come. These were the ruling princes that influenced nations that produced a Darius, a Cyrus. Uh, and, and once that kingdom was brought down, the ruling prince of Grisha or the territorial spirit or angelic being that controls that, which God was referencing as you gods, right? He comes and what comes out of it is Antichrist foreshadow. We call him Alexander the Great. But in verse right, 21, right. he says, I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, that there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. So he's talking about how Michael, the chiefest and the highest of all angels, he's not, a, he's not the son of God, as some erroneously claim. This is a distinct chief prince, one of the chief princes, he called him. He's one of the highest of the order of the created hierarchy that God set in motion in the dateless ancient past. And we quoted this scripture so that you can see what we're saying and what Asaph is revealing as we go back to Psalm 82. When God stands to judge these other gods or Elohim, these caretakers of the nations, and in this case, the Gentile nations, because remember this, the prince, the highest created archangel, rivaled only by Lucifer when he was Lucifer, uh, he takes care of Israel. He protects Israel. He was a caretaker of the of the word of God and of the prophecies of God. And notice why he had to fight, because there's something powerful about speaking the word of God in the territory of the earth. And it's why it was resisted, because once the yeah. word came into the earth, it was going to change things. And it's why they were fighting over it. That's why, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, Jesus, after declaring that he has stripped them of the power of all those things, he now tells his disciples, now you go and preach the word to the nation. Listen, in verse 5, 82.5, he says, they don't know it and neither will they understand. He's saying the people, your influence has brought darkness into the planet, is what he's saying in verse 5. Psalm 82, 5. And, 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 and concerning the people, he says, they're walking in darkness. You haven't pushed them toward God. You've pushed them toward your Lord and your master, which is the devil himself, right? It, is it any wonder that any ancient temple you go to on the planet is, is marked with serpents and dragons and, and all kinds of blood sacrifice? And it, it, it's the darkness God stood up to judge them for. And listen, 
He says, because of this behavior, all the foundations of the earth are out of course. Under your tutelage and your master, you have destroyed the pagan nations. They became the pagan nations. They became the heathen nations. They are the Gentiles. Paul said, you were in the world without God, right? That's what he said. You were strangers of what? The covenants and the promises of Israel. You were without hope in the world. But he says, but now through Christ Jesus, right? (laughs) So anyway, so then he says this to them. He begins to pronounce their judgment. And he says in 82.6 of Psalms, I have said, you are gods. And all of you are the children of the Most High, the sons of gods. But this is going to be your penalty. You're going to die like men. They're going to be no more. They're going to be judged. Their eternal nature, this is a steep penalty, isn't it? Their eternal nature is judged, and and they will become mortal. They will die, and they will fall like one of the princes. And then it's as if what Asaph tells us here, he saw it by the Spirit. God turns to God. God turns to his only begotten Son and says, Arise, O God. You judge the earth, for you are going to inherit the nations, right? So now let's go back and close with this in Matthew 28, because now we get a little insight, (laughs) a big insight, really, into what Jesus was actually doing when he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the nations, right? To the nations, because the nations had been and have been since then being influenced by these demonic spirits and these these fallen angels, these Ben Elohim, these little gods, these little gods, he says, these 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 hierarchies. He has stripped them of exclusive influence and transferred that power to his church. Yes. And that and Paul says, now go in the power and, and, and might of the Lord. Go in his authority. Be empowered and enabled by his supreme authority. He has total dominion, and and he holds the keys. That's what it literally means, his might. He holds the force, the power, the keys. Jesus says, I've been given all power and authority, all rule over every governmental structure, over every judicial decision. I've been made a king. I have regal authority and I have rule as King, Lord, and God over every created being. So now yes. go and tell them. Go tell them. <laughs> go tell it on the oh. mountain, right? <laughs> right? So, so, so look what he says, in, and we'll close with this, in chapter 20. And there's so much more. We're just, dig- we're just scratching the surface. But listen, we'll go to chapter 20, uh, 28. After declaring these things, that all power has been given unto him, chapter 28. He now sends forth his his apostles, right? That's what he's doing in Matthew 28. He's sending forth his apostles. And maybe we can understand now what was actually taking place here. A counter message and influence is now amongst men. My God. Hallelujah. And 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 they are filled with the Spirit of God going forth to the Gentile nation, to the nations that all that time had been brought into darkness, destruction, 
and no hope under the influence of the unseen hierarchy called principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And he sends them out and he says, go teach all the nations. In other words, go counteract the influence of the fallen gods. And check this out. Like Elohim once appointed authority to these angels, right? It was God who gave them that authority to influence the nations. But he stripped it of them. That's what Brother Fernando was talking about when it said that, that, that Jesus made an open display of them, triumphing over them, right? Casting off yep. principalities and powers. He, he, he did it. He paid the price. He brought it back judiciously under a legal, eternal, ancient system of laws and, and, and commandments. He went and fulfilled it and so took back what had to be taken back in only one way. And so like, like the Lord once had sent angels to influence the nations, now Jesus, having stripped them of all their authority, and, and, and became the possessor of all this, he now sends his sons. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> he sends his hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. He sends yeah. his sons to the nations. And what does he say? He says, he says, uh, go and teach all the nations. And the word teach means oh. make them make them into scholars into learners. And when he says baptize them, brother, this is so much than dunking you in your Sunday night baptismal tank. That's not what he means. Yes, baptism is a, is a sacrament or a doctrine of you or the doctrine of baptism. But what taken in the context of what we've been revealing by the grace of God, we pray through the Holy Spirit for the glory of the Lord. What he means by baptize them the word baptism means to over and over and over again immerse them in the water. He's telling that the nations need to be dunked and dunked and dunked in the water. The water <laughs> yeah. is the word, right? He says, yeah. go and baptize them, but what? In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's the authority invested in us of Elohim. He says, go and do it in the three-part one God, right? In his authority, in his character of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Go immerse them in the things I've taught you. Teaching them, right, to observe whatsoever I've commanded you. And then he says, list. listen to what he said. Look, I want to get into all this. We've been going for quite a while. So we'll pick it up here tomorrow. When he, what, what did he mean? And what was he actually saying when he said, observe, teach them to observe my commandments? I just want to draw your attention to this because it's really powerful when he says, teach them to observe whatever things I've commanded you. And then he says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He identifies himself as God. Lo, I am, right? He uses that phrase a lot. I am with you. And then he says, always. But that's a very powerful word that he used there. Because the word always or always means it, it's, it's from the word himera, himera. And what that literally means, that word himera, what he was literally saying is, I am with you in the space between the dawn and the dark. 
It's a reference to the evening and the morning, the dawning of the day. It's transitory. It's symbolic. He was saying, I'm going to be with you until this thing is absolutely completed. So the end of the age, this age, it's a definable end that is coming. And I'm going to be with you in between the darkness and the light. That's what he's literally saying. Now let's close with this in Ephesians chapter 6. With all that we've said, and you need to listen to this, I pray that you will, over again. And learn, as as we're learning together, uh, the most marvelous Savior that we serve. The most marvelous King and God. Remember what he said. I am with you always. Now, based on all the things we've been sharing, to the best of our ability, with all our might, I hope somehow we've been able to get this through to you by the Spirit of the living God and what we believe that he's showing us. With all that in mind, now it starts to really open up when you read words like, finally, my brothers, Ephesians 6, verse 10, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Now we know why we need to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against all the methods of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now listen to this. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand or withstand when in the evil day, and having done all the stand, stand therefore, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Paul says, you have to wear this armor now so that you can withstand in the evil day. That word evil day, look it up, brothers and sisters. It's the same word that Jesus referenced in Matthew 28, 20. I am with you always. I am with you between the night and the dawn. And the evil day that Paul uses here in verse 13 is the same word Jesus used, Samara. Yes. between the night and the dawn. And Paul was prophesying well into the future. And for every generation that would transpire over the last 2,000 years, he was saying, this is just simply the in-between the night and the dawn. It is this specific time period that we are now contesting and going into all the nations and declaring Jesus Christ is Lord and he's coming again. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's real evangelism. That's real gospel. That's the word of the Lord. I hope you've been blessed today, and I hope that you come back again tomorrow. I hope that you listen to these messages, and, and, and that in some stumbling way, we've been able to communicate to you maybe some things that would prompt you at least to, to, to review the word of God and embrace the greatness of the only begotten of the Father. God himself, Jesus Christ, manifested in the flesh with God, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. We love you with all our heart. Brothers, would you close us out until tomorrow? Amen. Wherefore God also hath exalted him, highly exalted him, and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May God bless you. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow, yeah, us being with you tomorrow 
as we continue to to study this uh it's not a topic this is this is the gospel <laughs> this is what it is this is the gospel this is what uh the things that uh have been left for us to know these are the things that what 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 Paul said eyes have not seen ears have not heard that God has prepared for us however they are being revealed to us by the Holy Spirit and him alone so we thank God for his word and we look forward to to being with you tomorrow once again may God bless you and keep looking up